0: Good morning. How is everybody? Tanner's doing well. Tanner's here this morning. Last week Tanner wasn't here. Y'all remember that and I thought he had had a wreck or something. I was concerned about him. And that's a good thing, right? Somebody is so faithful to be at church that when they're not there you're concerned about them. That's that's a blessing, isn't it? So it's good to have Brother Tanner. It's good to have Sister Fanny back. And uh, you're doing good this morning, right, Sister? And uh, she said that that she's feeling better, but I'm sure, I am I'm 100% certain that she would love for you to continue to pray for her. So just sit, continue to pray for her and Brother Albert. And uh, I'm pretty sure he's having to wait on her hand and foot. So just just pray for Albert. So It's good to be here and, and, and love to be at church. I'm glad to be here this morning. Uh, people were concerned about me because I was running late this morning. Uh, I was told by about four different people, you're late. And I said, I'm here at 15 till and uh, I'm still, I'm late. So I apologize for my tardiness, but uh, anybody ever try to get two kids ready and, and all that, it's kind of hard sometimes, isn't it? So just pray for me and my wife. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the, turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter this morning, 1 Peter chapter number one, and we'll read just a few verses there. 1 Peter chapter one, stand to honor the reading of God's word 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. When you arrive in that, will you please say amen to let me know that you're there? All right, we got to at least half the, the people. If you can't find 1 Peter, just look right before 2 Peter and it'll be there. And if you can't find it then, just look off the person next to you. So that'll be all right. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. The Bible says this, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness, through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 9 says, Receiving the end of your faith, even... The salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. God, I thank you for each one that's here. God, I just pray that you would bless them for their effort of being here this morning. God, I just pray that you would touch those that are in Children's Church, Lord, the, the ones that are in other places in, in your house this morning. God, I just pray that you would greatly bless them, be with them this morning. But God, this, this crowd, this congregation that is gathered here, Lord, I just pray that you would move upon us. God, that you would just, Lord, your your spirit would just move on the aisles this morning. God, that you would deal with people. God, help wayward Christians. God, convict the lost this morning. Lord, I can do absolutely nothing unless it is through you. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel. God, help me to preach your word in power. And in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God, give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech this morning. And God, will glorify you because you're worthy. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Skipping back to the Old Testament, I'm just going to read you one verse. Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 11. You don't have to turn there. But it says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. A word fitly spoken. Now, everybody in here probably knows somebody that knows how to speak out of turn, right? Right? Anybody ever come to your mind that, that somebody that just is too brash, somebody that just says the wrong thing at the wrong time, and, and when they do say something, they probably shouldn't have said it to start with. And Tanner's pointing at himself, and I would agree with that. I spent two weeks with him in Israel, so he does speak out of turn sometimes. But if you don't know anybody like that, you're probably that person this morning. No, I'm just kidding. But, but everybody knows somebody like that, right, that just, that just says the wrong thing. And when they do say it, they say it in the wrong tone. If if there's anybody in the Bible that did that, and people in the Bible did do that, you know who it would have been? It would have been Peter. Peter, it seemed like that every time that Jesus was talking or Jesus was doing something, and Peter spoke up, Peter seemingly always said the wrong thing, and he had to be corrected. There were several times that he would say the wrong thing, and, and namely I think about the time when Jesus was arrested, and Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him, and, and what did Peter do? He did exactly, he said the wrong things, didn't he? And Jesus told him, he would say it, but he said the wrong things in the wrong place at the wrong time. But in, at the end of John, in John chapter 20, Jesus challenges Peter. He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, he says, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Pe- Jesus asked Peter again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, do you know that I love you? And the third time, Jesus asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter just looked at him, and, and, and Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, well, go and feed my sheep. I believe that a change took place in Peter at that moment that, that Jesus touched him, and Jesus put, put a, just a special blessing on Peter at that time, and then that was just multiplied in, in Acts chapter 2 as we preached last week, and Peter was a changed man. And, and after that, we, we read a lot about Peter in the Acts of the Apostles, but when we get here to 1 Peter, Peter starts writing an epistle, or he starts writing a letter. And he starts talking to us about some things. And it's not long in his letter before Peter just simply starts talking about how, how blessed, that, how, how we should worship and we should praise God. He says, in verse 3, he says, blessed. That word blessed means to lift up to praise. He says, praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, uh, he wanted his readers before they did anything else, before he got into any kind of theology, before he got into anything real deep, he just wanted you to stop for just a second and just say, praise the Lord. He wanted you to stop and just say, thank you, Lord. And why did Peter do that? Well, see, Peter had a unique a unique look on this. Peter had a unique outtake and outlook on the life of Jesus Christ. So he got to follow Jesus around. He got to be with Jesus for three and a half years. Could you imagine that if you walked with Jesus for three years, you would be a changed person, wouldn't you? If you saw the things that Peter saw, you would be a different person. And Peter saw that, and he just wanted to stop, and he just wanted to say, praise God. And I'm going to give you the reasons why, and it's very simple. Can you agree with me this morning that we have all the reasons in the world to praise God this morning? And I just want to tell you that the world's not going to do it for you. That nobody else is going to do it for you. So why don't you praise the Lord this morning? Why don't we be the ones to say, hey, hey, blessed be the the name of Jesus. Blessed be God our Father. Bless His holy name. Why should we say that? Because of what Peter says in that very verse. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to, get this, His abundant mercy. His abundant mercy. The first thing that Peter says, the first reason that he says that we should praise God, that we should put up holy hands. Give us clean hands, Lord. Amen, Cecil. Thank you for those songs, brother. Give us those clean hands so that we can lift them up and say thank you, Lord, for your abundant mercy. What is mercy? Well, mercy is something that's very simple to understand. Pray for my voice this morning. Lacey, she was yelling at me, and and she took my voice away. No, I'm just kidding. But mercy is something very simple to understand. Mercy is somebody withholding something from you that you have coming to you. Mercy... It's when God looks at a lost person and says that person is fit to die and go to hell. And yet he withholds that from them. A very wise man named A.W. Tozier said this one time. He said, we are all recipients of God's mercy. We think we are not, but we are. There is not an atheist in the world who is not the recipient of God's mercy right now. Amen to that. If you're lost this morning, guess what? You, you, th- you may think mercy is only for saved people, but mercy is absolutely not just for saved people. It's for lost people too. Because each one of us, we all lived to a certain age. We all made it so far in life before we got saved. And guess what we lived under until we got to that point? We lived under God's mercy. Something that we didn't deserve, something that God could have looked at us and said, Hey, you're a sinner, why don't you just go ahead and die and, and get what you deserve? But no, God withheld that. Lamentations, which is a book that, that's kind of sad, has, has a kind of a, a wonderful note in it. And Lamentations chapter 3 said, it is, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Praise the Lord for that. I'm glad that, that there were times in my life that that I probably deserved God's judgment. There are times in my life when I, I could have probably died in my sin and guess what? I would have went to hell. But you know what? God's mercy was there. God withheld that. I think of a a friend of mine, and, and some of you have heard me talk about him. I say, I've got some, I've got some rough friends. I really do. And we're, we're going to call him Robert. I don't want to tell you his first name. But Robert is, is a gentleman that I met about 15 years ago. And, he, and and like I said, he's a good friend of mine, so I'm not down in him. And he would agree to every bit of what I'm about to say to you. But to this day, he is lost He has never professed Jesus to be his Savior. I have told him over and over and over again that he needed to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. In fact, he and I, we used to sit in my truck on lunch every day. I ate lunch with him every single day. And we read through the entire New Testament. So you would think that somebody that's read through the entire New Testament, we didn't didn't skip over any of it. I mean, we read from Matthew to Revelation. How many times in that New Testament reading did he hear the gospel? Probably hundreds of times that he heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let me give you a little background on him. I said he was a rough guy, didn't I? And when I say rough... He's rough. He's, he's, he is Sparta, Tennessee rough, all right? Everybody knows that's rough. Some of you were Sparta, Tennessee rough too, ain't you, Joanna? But anyways, over there in Sparta, he, he, he was well known as something. He was a drug dealer. And not only did he deal drugs, but he used drugs, and he manufactured drugs. And he did that for 10 years. He was on the worst kind of drug that there is and, and that, that's methamphetamine. That's the worst kind of drug that there is. They're all bad, don't get me wrong, but that's, that's about the worst one physically on you. And for 10 years, he manufactured it, he sold it, and he used it. Now, the average lifespan of somebody that uses that drug is about maybe four to five years, and one of two things happens. They either, number one, die. Why? Because that stuff will kill you like that. Or they go to prison. One of two options. You, you really don't have any other choice. That's either, that, that's, that's going to happen to you. But he did it for 10 years. He, he didn't die, obviously, because he's alive today, and he never went to prison. He, it was a going joke between me and him. He would always tell me, he called me little brother. He would say, little brother? He said, that whole 10 years that I was on dope, he said, you know how long I spent in jail? And I said, how long? He said, two weeks. I said, what for? Did you get caught with drugs? He said, no, it was for back child support on a kid that wasn't mine. He said, and I got out of jail. That's example number one of God's mercy in his life, isn't it? That that he's not today, this very day, sitting in a prison somewhere in Tennessee, rotting away in a jail cell. Example number two of God's mercy, he should be dead by now. But he's not. Why? Because of God's mercy. God's mercy is new every day. Oh, but it gets better. His, you thought well how could his life get any worse how could he more deserve the mercy of God how could he receive the mercy of God more well he finally got off drugs say praise the Lord for that but then he got to drinking now the whole time he was off drugs he was er, on drugs he was drinking but the drugs quit and the alcohol continued now I'm going to take a moment and say that, that I don't believe for a moment that anybody in here should be drinking alcohol whatsoever say amen why? Because alcohol makes you do stupid stuff, right? Can I say that in here? That's the truth, isn't it? But alcohol gets you out of your mind. And one night, my, my buddy Robert, he decided he was going to go fight a guy. Now, right now Mark's a big guy, and I wouldn't have any trouble fighting him. I could whoop him in a heartbeat. He's from Jackson County. But I wouldn't fight Robert. See, he's six foot five, three 350 pounds. He's a big man. And he made the mistake in his, in his drunken stupor that night of telling the guy. He warned the guy. He, he text messaged him, and he said, I'm going to come up to where you are. He said, I'm going to whoop you. Here's God's mercy. And, and sure enough, he drove over where that guy was. And he got out of his car, and, he, and he, the guy walked out on his porch, and, and my buddy yelled at him, and the guy shot him in the chest with a 12-gauge shotgun. Shot him right here on the left side of his chest. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a paramedic, and I'm not a genius. But I can tell you, if somebody shoots you in the chest with a 12-gauge shotgun, you should be dead on the spot. Anybody you know what a 12-gauge shotgun is? It'll tear, it'll tear up Jack. Shot him right there in the chest. And by God's mercy, he didn't die. You know why? Because he would have went to hell. God spared him that day. God's mercy, hand of mercy, was on him and gave him another chance to hear the gospel. Gave him another chance to sit down and read the Bible. Gave him another chance to make a decision to follow Christ. He got in his car and he drove himself to the hospital with a shotgun wound in the chest. He laid at Erlanger Hospital for weeks and weeks and weeks and had to have multiple surgeries. And he's a living testament today of God's mercy. You see, the the word before mercy right there in 1 Peter, it says this in verse number 3. It says, which according to his, what? Abundant mercy. You know, God only has to give you mercy one time. God only has to extend that mercy to you and say, hey, I'm going to give you one chance. He said, and then I could do away with it. But he says, no. He says, his mercy is abundant. And there are people in this room right now, lost people and saved people like, who are testimonies of God's abundant mercy. Uh, of the times in your life when you, it should have been over with, when God should have said, hey, I'm done with you. It's over with. You just go on, you do your thing, and you can just die. But no, God doesn't say that. God said, I'll be abundantly merciful to you. What did Peter say? He says, Blessed be the God and Father who gives us abundant mercy. He goes on to say this. He continues in verse number 3. And he says, Which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. First of all, we have mercy that is abundant. But the next thing I want you to see that we have is we have hope that is alive. That word lively there, we, we often see that word and we think of lively as, as something I talked about last week where you get all excited and, and you have an emotional high and, and some things happen, but that's not what it's talking about at all. See, we have hope this morning. My friend Robert doesn't have a lick of hope unless he accepts Jesus as his Savior, but we have a hope that is different from anybody else's hope in the world. See, there's a lot of people in the world that think they have hope. I could take you places and introduce you to people and they say, Well, do you have hope? And they say, Yeah, yeah, I have hope. It reminded me, when I was studying this sermon out, it reminded me of something that me and Tanner saw when we were in Israel. See, we were if you were here the night that we showed the slides, you will remember that we were in, a, in an Arabic area. And, and a couple of Christian guys from Tennessee being amongst a bunch of Muslims is a kind of a scary thing. But we walked in a shop, and I think Tanner may have pointed it out to me, I don't remember. But in this shop, it was a Muslim shop. I'm talking about Hope here. And on the, in, in the shop, there was a TV screen. And they weren't watching CNN, they weren't watching the local soccer game, they weren't watching anything else. They were watching what they hoped in. See, the Muslims serve a guy. Ultimately, they serve Allah, but they worship a gentleman by the name of Muhammad. Now, Muhammad was a prophet. That He was alive about 1,000 years ago. And Muhammad came, and he said that he was sent from Allah, and now they worship him. But the thing about it is the problem that Muhammad has is he's dead. <laughs> That's a pretty bad problem to have, isn't it, Tanner. And the Muslims, in that Muslim shop, on the TV screen, just sitting there, was a live stream from Mecca, Saudi Arabia. Now, if you know anything about the Muslim religion, if you know anything about Islam at all, they worship Mecca. In fact, when they put their prayer cloth down on the ground, they point it towards Mecca so that they can pray to Muhammad. And as I looked on that screen, it was a live stream stream. From Mecca, Saudi Arabia. And what it showed was a big black mausoleum with people circling around it. And they were just chanting and they were acting a fool. Why? Because that's where their hope is. That is what they, they, they devote their lives to is serving somebody that's dead. I would hate to know that I had to wake up every single morning... And serve somebody that's dead. Wouldn't you hate that, Tanner? And, and even that guy, he was, he was thousands of miles away from Mecca. Yet he was live streaming somebody's burial site. And saying, hey, I put my hope in that guy who I know for a fact is dead. That if you open that mausoleum, you're going to find him there. You're going to find his remains and he's there. And they'll openly admit that. But see, we have something better than that this morning, don't we? Our Savior, the the, the one that came on behalf of God, is not dead. He is, in fact, alive. And Peter says this, he he says, he had begotten us, he has saved us, he has regenerated us, he has made us sons. He says again, unto a lively hope, unto a living hope, So we worship one this morning that is, in fact, alive. You ought to get excited about that a little bit. You ought to say amen. Say, thank you, Lord, that you're not dead. Thank you, Lord, that you're not still in that grave. Because if Jesus was in the tomb, he couldn't do anything for you. But instead, this morning, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. Why? Because we have a living hope. I wake up every morning... And I know that there will be rough days that I'm going to face. I know that there are going to be situations I don't understand. But I know this, that I have a hope that is alive. That I have something far bigger than I am. That I have someone with me every single day. And that that he is alive and he's living in me in the form of the Holy Spirit. And Peter said you ought to just stop for a minute and say thank you Lord for that hope that you've given me. I don't know how people make it through life unsaved. I got saved at a fairly young age. And so I didn't have to suffer a lot of things. And I don't know how people make it 40, 50, 60 years without, without Jesus on their side. More that would be a miserable life to me. Some of you folks that maybe got saved in an older age, you know what that is. You know what it is to live that long without having any hope. Without having anything to look forward to, without having anything bigger than you. People know what that's all about. The Bible says this Psalm chapter 146, verse number five. He says, Happy is he that hath God, the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. It says you should be happy, you should be excited, you should be joyful because we have hope beyond this life. But see, the the, the unbeliever has just the opposite of that. He has no hope because it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 7, it says, When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perisheth. You know where their hope ends? When they take their last breath. No hope for them at that point. But there is hope for us. And it's a living, lively hope hope it doesn't mean that that hope's always just going to make you jump up and down and 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 I mean I'm glad it does sometimes but that's not what it's all about it's about knowing that we have a living savior that is alive today and then it gets even better we have hope why because we have life after death you notice that he said in verse 3, he said, Who hath begotten us again into a lively hope? That word begotten means to, to have a son or to have, have a child, to begat another one. You know, you read in the, in the first few chapters of Matthew, all the begats and begats and begats. And in Genesis, you read all that. But, but there was one begat, there was one begotten that is more important than anything. And that's when God begot you as his son. Did you know that? What a wonderful thing to think about. That when you're saved, you become a son of God. That by the blood of Jesus, you are grafted into the family. You were brought into the family and and you you were made a joint heir with Jesus. Because you're begotten. Because you're begotten. He said he hath begotten us into a lively hope, but he doesn't stop there. He says, Into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's the proof that we have a lively hope. It says, Into a lively hope. But then he moves, and he uses that word too. He's using transition words. I want you to see that. He says, We start with the mercy, he said, and then we move to the hope, right? We get the hope because we have the mercy. And then he says in verse number four, that first word there, two little letters, he says, Two, he's showing a transition to something else. He said, We're moving forward. And he said, We have this because we have that lively hope. He says, Into an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven. He said, Thank you, Lord. For, for that inheritance that you gave me. That inheritance that I didn't deserve and that I couldn't earn, but you gave it to me. Why? Because I'm a son. Some of you in here have received an earthly inheritance, haven't you? Your parents have, have went on to glory and, and, and there might have been a will and, and they left you some things. And, and I, you know what? I've heard a lot of really bad things about people receiving inheritances. Did you know? That sometimes people just go crazy when, they, when somebody gives them a bunch of stuff. Did you know that? I'll tell you, if you want to ask about crazy people, go talk to a funeral director. And they'll tell you about people acting crazy when they're getting an inheritance. You know why people act like that? Because that inheritance is defiled, it's corrupt, and it's going to fade away. Anything that you get on this earth, what, what do we normally get when somebody dies and leaves us something? Well, we might inherit a house, right? And, and we might inherit a vehicle or two and maybe some land. And, and, and if we're really lucky, man, they'll, they'll leave us a big old check, maybe some, maybe some money in the bank. That's what we really want, right? We don't care about the house, cars, land. We just want the money. I mean, somebody be honest, right? Say amen or owe me one of the two. <laughs> am I lying or am I telling the truth? I'm telling the truth, right? I'm just being real with you this morning. And people receive that inheritance. And sometimes, those people don't even deserve that inheritance. They weren't good kids. They didn't treat their parents right. They weren't there when when their parents were struggling with things. They didn't go visit them. But when they die, guess what? They want that inheritance. It's the truth of the matter. But, But Peter said that we have something else. See, Peter was there the day that, that Jesus spoke the words in John chapter 14. Peter was right there when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Peter heard those words, and he probably heard more than we have recorded in the Gospel of John. No doubt that he did. Jesus probably elaborated on that and told him something about that. But Peter said right here, he said that if you have that hope, Because of that mercy, he said, you're going to have one last thing. And it's going to begin when your life down here ends. And that is that you're going to receive an inheritance. What is that inheritance? Well, he says right here, it's reserved in heaven for you. He doesn't just say that our inheritance is heaven. But he said it's reserved in heaven. What is that? That inheritance that we receive, that is life everlasting. Everlasting life, life that cannot stop. And he says it's life, it's not everlasting death. But he says that inheritance, it says is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted, it cannot rust, it cannot rot, it cannot decay. It is incorruptible. It's also undefiled. It cannot be defiled. There's nothing wrong about that inheritance. But then my favorite part, it says that it is it fadeth not away. See, those inheritances that we receive down here, and some of you may have received them and, and know that, that eventually the money's gonna run out. You know, you see it, you can tell somebody a lot of times somebody receives a big inheritance, they'll go buy some stuff, buy a new boat, buy a new car, buy a house, whatever. But eventually the money runs out, right? That house that you get, well, it's going to rot to the ground eventually. And, well, that car, it's going to wear out too. And and that land, well, you're going to sell it and make a subdivision out of it probably. I've seen that happen a lot with inheritances. And all these things, guess what happens? They just fade away. You don't You don't really mean to let them fade away. It just kind of happens. But eventually... The inheritance down here, it's gone. And you're left with what you had, which may not have been much. It may have been a lot. Who knows? But really, that doesn't matter, does it? Because the only inheritance that really does matter is the inheritance that you either do have reserved for you or that you don't have reserved for you. See, really, you're going to inherit something. you got something coming to you. Right? You got something coming. And it's your choice. It's your choice whether you're ready to receive that inheritance or not. If somebody said, hey, walked up to me today and said, would you like to be put in in the will of Bill Gates? How many of you would say, oh, no, don't do that? Now, he's, he's only worth like $50 billion. I, I'd rather not. I, I like where I live and what I have, and I'm okay. No, no, don't, don't put me in his, his will. Well, you'd be foolish to do that, wouldn't you? Some of you are trying to act real spiritual and say, well, I don't need any of that. You're lying. <laughs> you'd take it. You would. But here God is saying that if you'll just accept my mercy... He said, I'll give you a lively hope while you're here. And he says, when this body wears out and your heart quits beating and you die, he says, you'll have something far better than anybody can ever imagine. Because Bill Gates' billions, guess what? It's corrupt, it's defiled, and it's going to fade away. But God is standing here and he's offering this. He's saying, all you have to do is accept Jesus all you have to do is become a child of God. he said, And he said, you have a, an, an inheritance reserved for you in the heavens. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Lift your hand up and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me. You know why I think it's just for us? I don't think. I know. I know it's just for people that accept, or have accepted Jesus. Because it says to an inheritance incorruptible... An undefiled and fadeth not away, reserved in the heaven. For who, he says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He said that you have to be a believer unto salvation through faith. You just have to believe. Wouldn't it be nice today to believe that Bill Gates was going to put you in his will? Just say, well, I believe it. It's not going to happen. Sorry, I I hate to to ruin your day for you. But God said in his word right there. And if God says it, guess what? You can take it to the bank. You You can guarantee that it's going to happen. If God made a promise to you today that you have an inheritance reserved in heaven, guess what? You have an inheritance reserved in heaven. It's up there, and it's waiting for us. That, that body that, that's not going to wear out, that's part of your inheritance. And that everlasting life, yeah, that, that, the life that's never going to end, we're not going to have to face death and, and, and sin and all these corruptible things. All you have to do is just accept it. Just believe it. Just take God up on his offer of mercy. I don't know why anybody would not do that. I don't know why anybody could stop and look at their life and look at the amount of times that God has extended mercy to them and not not just think, God, you are so merciful and I accept that mercy. Lord, I accept your mercy. Now give me hope. Give me hope beyond the grave. And he says, oh, you don't just have hope in this life. You've got it after this life too. See, we're always moving forward. He says, to an inheritance. Incorruptible. I'm thankful this morning that I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm thankful this morning. And I lift him up that he extended mercy to me when I didn't deserve mercy. When I deserved everything but mercy, He gave it to me anyways, and He gave it to me with no stipulations. There's, there's nothing, you know. He doesn't say, oh, "If you do this, all you have to do is just believe, and you can accept His mercy." One of the piano, Lauren. I want to ask everybody to stand. Cecil, go ahead and get a song ready, brother. I want you to think about this, Peter. Was, was, got to see this firsthand. He got to hear about that. He got to, to hear about the hope, and he got to hear about the inheritance. But it doesn't just stop at Peter. See, that's extended to each and every one of us. I'm thankful that, that God didn't just, at the end of the Bible, say, the end, too late for you. But he gave us all a chance. He gave us all the the chance to inherit Eternal life. Let's pray before they sing. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the many blessings. God, I just say praise your name this morning for all that you've given me that I didn't deserve, that I couldn't earn, and God, that that it says that it fadeth not away. Thank you, Lord, for that. I understand that people go through things down here and life's hard sometimes, but you give us that hope That helps us through life. You give us that hope that is alive. That we serve a living God. Lord I just pray that if anybody's lost here this morning. God that you would deal with their heart. God that you would help them to see the error in their ways. God that they would know and understand. That you have no doubt numerous times extended mercy their way. Lord don't let them turn it away again. God we praise you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.